0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Yo, 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 what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Talent Factor Podcast. It's your boys, Damian Parson, Keith Sanchez. Keith, we are a very special guest on the show this evening, man. Super Bowl champion, two Pro Bowls, you know, a, a, a tone setter at safety with the Broncos, with the Browns. We got T.J. Ward. T.J., what's going on, man? What's going on, fellas? Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. For sure, for oh, sure. We man, appreciate
1: the time. Glad to have you, man. You last of a dying breed, man. As far as those safeties that are playing the box and just truing forces and deliver big blows, man. So it's great to speak to you, man. And you're you know unsung hero of that Denver Bronco defense. So man, excited to get to talk some ball with you for sure. Man, I Absolutely. appreciate it, man. I appreciate the love.
0: And so, but, um, so you know, one of the main things, right? That, you know, one of the main things we want to talk to you about is that transition for you from playing in the NFL to well, I don't, I'm not sure if how many listeners know, but you run your own sports agency, Players Above Sports Group. What was the transition like for you?
2: Uh, it was a slow transition. It wasn't immediate because, you know, my last year in Tampa was, um, whew, I think it was 18, and I was a free agent the next year. Um, you no, know, I had a decent season in Tampa, so I didn't think it would be no problem getting picked up the next year. You know, I knew I wasn't going to get the big contract just because of the way it ended in Tampa. But, you know, my caliber of play since I've been in the league, you know, the player I am, the person I am, the teammate I am. (laughs) I didn't think for one second that I wouldn't get picked up right away, let alone for two years. Like, so it was a slow transition. I was out the league for a year, didn't get a workout, didn't get a building. Like, it was so abrupt. It was obviously something was going on. You know, it was something above my head. Um, the second year came, uh, I got a try, I think I got to work out with Jacksonville. They didn't end up signing me. Um, and then my third year out, I'm getting ready to retire. Like turn my papers in. I'm like, I'm done. It's been two years. I get a call from the Cardinals. I go down and work out with them. I was on practice squad for about three weeks to a month. I think this was around the time they had lost their safeties, Buddha Baker. And, um, uh, Thompson, I believe. So they were down like three safeties. So I came in, um, they got healthy, you know, faster than expected. So I didn't get, you know, to play in the game, but um, it was just great being there. Great, you know, having that one last little time in the team and in the locker room. And then after that, I, I you know, I was comfortable, you know, going to the next step, knowing that if I didn't get called within the next two weeks, I was going to retire regardless. So. <laughs> Right. No. So I retired and you know, I watched the season play out and kind of trying to figure out where I was gonna go, you know, what I wanted to do. And you know, I know I wanted to stay in the football realm. You know, I wanted to stay in this in this industry just because, you know, I've been in this industry since I was eight years old. I know it like the back of my hand. So, you know, you don't study to be an engineer your whole life and then get to thirty five and start doing something else, right? So
0: right.
2: you know, I, I wanna help. You know the guys coming behind me. Um, I thought I didn't you know career-wise. Uh, I think physically and you know what I've done. I, I pretty much I think kind of maximized my potential. You no, know, I don't think you, you know, and ever fully maximize the full potential. But I did very well in the league and um, business-wise, career-wise, track-wise, planning-wise. I think um, the people around me could have did a lot better job helping me. You know do that and helping me transition from team to team helping me prepare for signing with a free agent or you know the things that come with um changing cities changing teams what you look for in the next team that you're going to you know a lot of those it's not always about you know who who offers the most money you know that that may sometimes come the year after you know you just want to be in the best situation for you to excel and that's what I want to do for these players, man. I, I've been through it. I've had great advice and help, and I've had not so so good advice and help. So um, it's all about maximizing your potential, man. This is a business of getting everything out of yourself you can in this limited amount of time, and making sure that you know you're in a position to propel yourself for life after football while you're playing, not just when you finish. So. Um, that's pretty much why I started, man. And I have my partners that have been in the business for 10 plus years, and they've been a part of organizations and companies that, you know, weren't solid in, you know, giving their due respect and what they've earned by what they produce. And um, I think it's important to have a player's perspective in this business, because I don't believe any of these agents have played on the teams. You know, you have a few ex-players, they haven't been in locker rooms, they haven't been in training rooms, they haven't been walking around cafeterias, talking to you know front office guys on the daily, talking to coaches, position coaches. They can't help you navigate through that. And um, that's what I want to do. And that's what I'm doing with my players, so. This no, is our man. first year running up. We got some rookies coming in this class. So I'm very excited and you know, we've been working really hard. So I'm very excited and
1: looking forward to the future of what we're going to do. Yeah. Now, I think that's pretty cool, man. And you also start to see, you're starting to see that change just amongst players having a voice, right? Just as mm-hmm. far as them speaking out more now. Um, You know, we had the ESPN 30 for 30 situation where they talked about, you know, just all of these agents, quote-unquote financial managers, and how they took millions and millions of dollars for players and had no penalty whatsoever. It was just getting them to sign on a dotted line. So um, I wanted to ask you if you had any example for yourself you know something was like hey i wish i could have done that better or just example where once you had knowledge you're like okay i was able to kind of work that situation better and you know kind of um maneuver in that situation and
2: honestly a lot of these dudes are predators like they know we come from backgrounds where we're not aware of you know where we're going you know our parents most of them didn't go to college you know my right. parents both graduated college but I'm few of the guys in the locker room. Uh, if that a lot of guys are the first people in their family to go to college, so they 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 they, they pray off your ignorance until you get to a certain level when you know what you're doing, and then you kind of see them disappear, or dwindle off. Like my first financial advisor, he put me in some crazy policy because he was getting um, he was getting a percentage off of what you know I came in with. So. Yeah. I lost like 300, $600,000, Mike's rookie contract. Damn. And it was held up for years. It's still held up in that policy. And this is 13 years later. Guess where this guy is at? Can't find him. He (laughs) fell off the face (laughs) of the earth. You know what I'm saying? It's that type of stuff. And I wanna be there when these guys sit down with these dudes and be like, no, that's BS. That's BS, you know, Um, or just bring them around people that I know are solid. That I know do a great job in their industry and what they do. Because a lot of times these people sit in in your living room and they're talking, you're listening, but are you really comprehending? Do you know how this works? You know, in the future, are you just trying to get them out your living room so you can make a decision? It's a lot of stuff like that, you know? And um it's hard. It's hard to navigate that, man. Like my my dad, he played in the league, but it's a whole nother game. Like he played in the NFL for three, three years. But when it was time for me to meet agents and do all this other stuff, like he was so far removed from the business side of it, not only on the field, but just how the the game has transitioned in a business sense, like it's completely different. You got guys going from making 100, 200,000 when he played and they were the top end of the league to (laughs) 20 million a year, you know what I'm saying? So it's completely different. Nah, and, and like
0: the, the knowledge that you have is going to help so so many players. It's going to come across your path because, like you said, a lot of these financial advisors really aren't looking out for the players. And I I remember, I think it was Lamar Jackson when he came into the draft. I think it was him and his mom who went in there and negotiated his contract. And I actually remember talking to an agent a couple years ago who told me, he was like, man, to be honest with you, like He's like, a lot of t- a lot of times players don't need these financial advice. They just need somebody, that, a lawyer that will read the contract and make sure the team isn't trying to jip them, whether it's like, uh, I think it was like Roquan Smith, when he entered the league and the Bears had some little, you know, offset language, like if something happens, you know, off the field, we're going to take away your guaranteed mm-hmm. money. And Roquan was like, I'm not showing up to camp until you fix this. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's like, it, it's like you said, that, like I said, that knowledge that that you have is going to really help, these young players transition not just into the league, but just to be pros and to be smarter because this younger generation that's behind us, they're looking for that knowledge, that information. So that they go in and make the best decision possible. Yeah.
2: And I, I, that's what I do love about this
0: generation behind
2: us is they like, do it yourself. <laughs> Let me get this information <laughs> and I'll get it done. You know, I mean, I, 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 I hear, I don't know. I hear little things about like the next generation don't like to work and this and that, but I mean, they—they they active. I tell you that. They may not be doing the daily works and the <laughs> the maintenance, but they are very, they're very—they're highly active. I tell you that.
1: Oh, it's just a different, uh, different mindset. That's what we yeah, call it's it. A
2: different mindset.
1: It's yeah, all different good. mindset. But man, just speaking about uh, you know your agency, I want to talk about a couple of your players. Um, you know, give you a chance to speak on those guys. I've got a chance to watch them, and one guy that stuck out to me was a uh, UNLV running back, Charles Williams. So can you uh you know just get a give the people a little information about him, a little background? Uh, because I thought he was a good football player.
2: Yeah, Chuck is a he's a outstanding back. You know, he went to UNLV, four year starter, all time leading rusher there. Um. Great size, he's about 5'10, 5'11, 205, great vision. You know, he he squeezes through holes you don't even notice there. That's what I first noticed, man. He slides through holes and he has great speed. He he has, you know, separation speed at from a back, you know, which, you know, is fantastic because once he gets to the second level, he can take it to the end zone. You don't have to worry about him really getting caught or hawk down. And he's physical. You know, at the point of attack, he he always falls forward. You see him on the goal line runs. He's crossing that line. First down, you need those yards, two, three. He's going to give you the tough yardage, too. So he's very well-rounded. He catches out the backfield very well. Um, and he's a good kid, man. Great head on his shoulders. Very disciplined, humble. Works extremely hard. Um, just great all-around kid, man.
1: Nah, for sure. And I think if there's any class for a, a under-the-radar guy to really emerge throughout the process, is this class, right? Because we can't even find who's, quote-unquote, the number one running back, so let alone two, three, four, and five. And mm-hmm. when I watched him, like you said, man, just the fact that he was compact, um, you know, low center of gravity, he he seemed like a guy that, as a defender, those are the running backs you don't want to have to tackle, right? Because mm-hmm. it just somehow they manage to slip away from you or they can you know hit you with a move or run through you. So I I, I thought he was a very talented guy that I look forward um to making an NFL roster. Yeah, for sure.
2: He kind of reminds me of uh Kamara a little bit. Like, okay. he, 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 like he like slides that. like you know how yeah. Kamara just kind of glides, he don't really shake you, he just kind of slips out of stuff. That's that's Charles. For sure, okay. for sure. Cool,
0: cool, cool. The player still stuck out to me, and he plays the same position that you played. Nick Pickett from Oregon, the 6'1", 210-pound safety. When I watched him, I saw a physical dude who did not mind laying the lumber to ball carriers. He's got a great eye to follow and locate the football. Just kind of tell the listeners and the people a little bit about Nick. Nick, you know, he came out
2: last year, and I think he was a little slept on because of the COVID, and it was just a lot of confusion um when he – Left college and was a free agent. He got in camp, but it was just a lot of his agent wasn't, you know, doing the due diligence he was supposed to do. So, you know, we came over. I knew him just from watching him at Oregon. This was like, okay, Nick was actually our first signing. So, when I heard he was looking for an agent and he had trouble last year, I'm like, why is this kid not on the roster? Like, why is he not in camp? Because he's too good of a player. He has great size. He knows football. He's smart. Like you said, he's not a, he's not afraid to come up and put a lick on you. He's six one, range is out of this world. I'm like, dude, what is going on? <laughs> you got to work with me. I got to get you over here. You're an Oregon alum. You know, I'm I'm gonna get you right. So he's training right now. He's gonna do pro day with Oregon this year, and um, I think he's gonna kill it. I think he's gonna kill it.
0: That's what's up? That's what and that's what you're looking for, especially in the league today with so much. Just space and and you need safeties that have the range, but you also need guys who aren't afraid to come down in the box and be versatile, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about positionless in, in in the NBA. It's always positionless basketball, right? You mm-hmm. want to have as many just athletes on the field, and it's the same thing on defense. With the way that offenses are preparing, you got tight ends who like Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller, guys who have premier wide receiver skill sets that you need defenders that aren't linebackers who can't cover with them. You need the guys like Nick Pickett with that size, 6'1", 210, that can get physical but has the athleticism to run, turn and run with them as well.
2: Yeah, um, that kind of brings me back to what you said earlier about the last of a dying breed of safeties. And um, I believe that breed is going to have to come back sooner than later because these backs are just way too physical for these yep. little DBs, man. they running through these secondaries like Swiss cheese. You <laughs> got these little safeties trying to come up and I get it. The game has opened up a little bit, but still, man, you need that physicality. And I think teams have tried it for the last three years. Let's get some little guys back there and, you know, faster. But, you know, they, they can't last. Yeah, They can't last and they don't want to tackle them. They don't want to tackle Henry. They don't want to tackle Chubb. You know what I'm saying? Not only do they don't want to, it's very, very, very hard for them to do that. <laughs> very hard. When you're 195 and this dude coming through the hole at 230, 240, with a 10-yard, you know what I'm saying? That's a big decision yeah. for a lot of guys. They, hey, I'm trying to play next week. Let me just let it go to the stocks. So with Nick, you know, like you're saying, being athletic and 6'1", C- coming downhill, he's the perfect safety to fill that C-Gas because – that C gap is wide open. It's parting like the Red Sea and somebody got to fill it. Yeah. Um, not somebody and now teams are going back to 12 and 21 and 13s. You've seen that a lot of those personnel, excuse me. Those are, you know, 12 is uh mm-hmm. one back, two tight ends, 13 is one back, three tight ends, 21 is two back, one tight end. So those are like running sets. They're lining up, getting away from that spread because why? You can put nine guys in the box. If your safeties are 195, ninety are going to run down your throat anyway. If your wheel linebacker is 215, when your strong safety used to be 215 five years ago, but now your wheel linebacker 215, your mic 230. So everybody (laughs) little in that box, we going straight at you. So I think it's going to transition back to where it was um, a few years ago. It has to.
1: Yeah, yeah, it Uh, definitely does. I agree. If you, you know, if you look at two of the top teams from last year, the San Francisco 49ers, the Tennessee Titans, you know, and they decided to zig or everybody was zagging, right? They was like, Mm -hmm. okay, cool. Like you said, put those little guys
0: in the box and we're going to move them out the way. (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, not even just them. You think about the Patriots, right? Like they had a rookie with Mac Jones who is a who who ran the offense efficiently, but that was a run first offense. They wanted to get downhill, attack your linebacks. Think back to that game against the first matchup against the Bills in that snowstorm. Bill's like, I'm not throwing the ball at all. Like you you're gonna know I'm running it. Now your small front is gonna have to stop me. And they had no they had no answer whatsoever. That physicality, and as you as you pointed out, TJ the smaller these these front seven guys get, right? Everybody wants the athletic, twitchy ends, but a lot of those guys don't hold up on the edge to set the edge against the run game. So it's like, okay, how do I take take you out of the game? You're not going to get 40 chances to get to my quarterback. I'm going to let my tight ends and my linemen lean forward on you, drain your legs out as we run the ball 30 times today. And it's like the the NFL, like you said, those hard-hitting safeties, those physical tone setters that's going to smack some of these running backs in the mouth, they have to come back. Because if not, like, while everybody's trying to spread it out and pass it, teams are – they're going to be teams like the Patriots, like the Titans, like San Francisco is going to say, you know what? Cool. While you got this reduced size front seven, we're going to run the ball 35 times for 200 yards. We're going to control the clock, keep Mm -hmm. your quarterback on the sideline, and we're going to walk out of here 17-7. to
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's what, you know – the Bengals did. You know, They had Joe. They was they had Joe and I forgot the other back's name. That's how they beat the Chiefs. Yep. Toting the ball. You know, they had a couple big plays, but you run the ball you play defense. Pat Mahomes sitting on the sideline. Can't score if you're sitting on the sideline. So Very true. um, I always believe in the front of, you know, I everybody I always say this every time, but you run the ball and play defense, you're gonna be in the NFC Championship. AFC championship, going to this in position to be in the Super Bowl because, you know, once you get in the playoffs, it gets cold, ugly, and very physical. And that want to, it leaves a lot of guys, man. That one attack in on that cold, it leaves a lot of guys. I don't want to do this. <laughs> so, well, <laughs> no, man, I think physicality, you know, it wins every time.
0: And that's facts. So, I mean, you've done a lot in your career. And, you know, that that 2015, I just want you to kind of take us, you know, through that 2015 championship run with the Broncos. What was it like? Because that was almost that was kind of a that was an odd year, you know, offensively, like your team was led by you and and Vaughn Miller and Marcus were in that defense. What was it like going through that whole season? You had Peyton start off kind of rough and then Brock Osweiler uh, took over when Peyton got hurt. Then Peyton came back, and it was just like, but the one constant, the one thing that didn't change, shout out to uh, C.J. Anderson. He was one of my yeah. favorite, and probably most underrated backs in football. He was a big part of that offense when uh, Kubiak said, okay, we've done enough of that pistol stuff. Let's get to running the ball, that wide zone. Let's attack these defenses. But what was kind of the mindset for you guys defensively, knowing that you didn't have that prototypical Peyton Manning-led offense?
2: Oh, man, that season was a roller coaster. That was probably the most <laughs> up and down season. Like thinking you're going to be top and then maybe not make the playoffs to win the division, having home field. Like uh, every game was like we won at the end of the game. Like every game that year was a last second win. I, overtime, something. From the first game, I was suspended, so I didn't play the first game. We played Baltimore. We picked the ball off in our end zone. These two picked it off to win the game. Baltimore was going in to score, and we got an interception. Won that game. The next week, we played Minnesota, I believe, and uh, I think I got a game-winning sack. I think Bridgewater was going – they were going in to kick a field goal. I got a strip sack. We recovered. Kansas City. We went to Kansas City. OT – B. Marsh knocks the ball off. They got the ball going down to probably kick a field goal if they make it in field goal range. Roby picks it up, scores, we win. Like It was like eight to 10 games like that all year. And it was crazy because at one point we were like, when Peyton had got hurt and I think Brock was coming in, we were, I want to say not going to make the playoffs or something like that. And then we won a game and then New England lost and we ended up with home field advantage. So, you know, once we got in the once we got in the tournament, we knew it was bad for teams. Like we, we got three games. <laughs> it's going to be hard to beat us with three games because we were just so polished and focused. It was like, we take one game at a time. Can't nobody beat us, especially on defense. Cause you're not, you can't score. So that was our exact mindset. Like if it comes to the end, Peyton is going to have a game-winning drive, B-Mac going to kick the field goal and win it, or we're going to make a play on defense and win it. And that's what happened, man. Pittsburgh, first playoff game, they were going in to score, we made a play, fumble, recovered it, game over. New England, uh, in the AFC Championship game, it was OT, they were going in to score, we intercepted it, game over. So, I mean, it was man. Now that I'm like even going through the games right now, I didn't even realize how like high I tame that season was. Like, man, we could have easily have been four and 12. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> but football is crazy, man. That's why it's so beautiful.
0: Facts. Like, y'all, yeah, your, your defense that I, me- I remember watching that AFC championship game and like. I think that was a year New England had a lot of kind of some injuries on the O-line, and it was not <laughs> the right season for that because yeah. Matt, that matchup with Ware and Vaughn and I think Malik Jackson yeah. on the interior, like the way that your defense flew around, and then that pass rush was teeing off on Brady. And it was just like, we all know, move him off the spot, make him uncomfortable. And, you know, it translates same thing when you got to the you know to the Super Bowl against – you know, one of the greatest running dual threat quarterbacks of all time. And Cam Newton, who's a whole different problem than, you know, what you were dealing with Tom Brady. But the defense literally, like, and for me, as I kind of always look at y'all championship and some of the other ones over the past couple of years when people, everybody fantasizes and, and it's just, they love the offense, but defense truly wins championships, man.
2: Truly, 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 truly. It's not just a saying. It's true for sure. Um,
1: yeah. But, Keith, you got anything else for uh, for TJ? Nah, man, I just wanted to tell you I, I appreciate you, man, not only for coming on this podcast, but what you're doing for the players. Um, I, You know, I've worked in college football, so I've seen the inner workings, right, just how it goes, and, you know, they manipulate situations. So you just being a former player, that's essentially – giving back, right. You, you know, even though it's not monetary, it's information and that's the number one thing. So man, proud to see a, you know, a brother like you, you know, be able to kind of switch hats, you know, you go from the helmet now you got to put the suit on and the tie and uh, you know, do it, do it in an intelligent way and and, and represent uh, players and, you know, just people like us in, in a positive manner. So I, I definitely appreciate it, man. man. No doubt, man. That's, that's the biggest thing is
2: wanting to give back and help, you know, um, those, you know, behind me coming up, because uh, <clears throat> I think every generation, you know, they owe the the next one, you know, a, a stepping stool. So uh, I hope, you no know, more players following my footsteps or the players that are already out there doing their thing in the agency world or management, man, keep up
1: the good work and let's make these guys better. Oh yeah, for sure. And now I know about uh, Charles Williams. So look, I'm going to be pounding the table for him. <laughs> For sure, for sure.
0: Yeah, man. Continue to continue to be a, a trailblazer, bro. Like you know, especially for for us and for our community. We we need people in these positions, like like Keith said, to give that information, to teach that and give that knowledge to these young, this young generation that's come behind us. So definitely appreciate you. Keep up the hard work, man.
2: No doubt, man. You guys too. Great show, man. I appreciate you having
0: me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, guys, that's Damien. I'm Damien Parson, Keith Sanchez with TJ Ward. This is The Talent Factor. We appreciate you guys for joining us. And Keith, what's our slogan?
1: The talent is always the factor, baby. Talent first.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host
2: by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.